Good morning and welcome to Palm Vista Community Church and our Advent series. We've entitled the series, Longing for Glory. Today is the second sermon in that series. And the title of today's sermon is, The Pathway to Glory. And our text is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And as you turn there to 1 Peter chapter 1, Verses 3 to 9. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever find yourself thinking that there has to be something better than your current existence? Something more permanent? Something more pure? Something more peaceful? Something more fulfilling? Something more glorious? You're not complaining, but you are hoping for something better Moving forward, this is the longing for glory that resides in you as an image bearer of God. You may not fully understand it, but you know there is something better and you long for it. In many ways, Christmas gives expression to that longing. We suspend the non-glorious existence of our mundane lives for the lights and the presents and the parties of Christmas. See, what we are longing for, church, is the glory of God. And Jesus came to restore that glory for us. He's the pioneer of our faith. He made a pathway to glory, which is the title of our sermon this morning, A Pathway to Glory. For all who repent and believe in him. It is this pathway to glory that God reveals to us this morning in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. So let's read about this pathway to glory revealed in our text. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9, a pathway to glory. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want you to imagine yourself to be in a jungle, a very hot and humid jungle, and you're armed with a machete, and you're hacking your way through the jungle one step at a time. And the heat and the humidity 
are withering your body and your soul. The bugs are biting. You hear strange sounds around you. You're lost. You're without hope. When suddenly there appears miraculously in the jungle a beautifully manicured pathway. And you are told that this pathway will lead you out of this jungle into paradise. Friends, this is the pathway to glory that Christ has cut for you and for me. He's gone before us as the pioneer of our faith to make this pathway for us. And if you were here this morning as a non-believer, the Bible says that you're not just lost in the jungle, you are actually lying dead on the jungle floor, spiritually speaking. And I want to share the gospel with you. First of all, thank you for coming. I want to share the gospel with you right now. The way Jesus made this pathway is that he came as a child. He lived the perfect life that you could not live, I cannot live. He then died on the cross and bore the punishment, the debt that we owe to God. He paid the wrath that we deserve from God. He received. He died for us. And then he rose from the dead three days later. And then he ascended into heaven. And this pathway is now before us. And if you're an unbeliever, you can't see it. You're hacking through the jungle with the machete. You're trying to do it on your own. Oh, I pray that God would give you the instantaneous understanding of that pathway. You would repent and believe. If you're a believer, you're on that pathway. You're on that pathway. But you're still in the jungle. So... You see the pathway, you're on that pathway to glory, but you're still in a jungle that's still hot and humid and the bugs are still biting and there's funny noises in the jungle surrounding you. And you're wondering, can I continue on? Am I going to make it? This is hard. The glory that was promised me is at the end of this pathway, but it's still to come. The Bible calls this existence the time in between Christ's first coming and his second coming. Theologians have called it the already not yet. We're no longer dead in the jungle, lost in the weeds. We're on the pathway, but we're not yet in paradise. And there's a couple of things I want to remind you, dear Christian friend, about this pathway to glory. And here's the first one. It is God himself who placed you on that pathway to glory. Point one. God puts us on the pathway to glory. Look at verses three and four of our text. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That's the pathway. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Verse four. That's the glory. That's the pathway. That is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You see, the Bible tells us that all of us, apart from Christ, aren't just lost, but we're dead on the jungle floor. We have no hope. We need to be born again. Jesus came to give us that life. How? According to the text, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He gives us life. Only God can cause our dead souls to come alive. Only God can give us this hope. Only God can give us this inheritance of glory to come. 
Inheritance is an interesting word here that Peter uses in verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Inheritance speaks of something yet to come. And Peter uses it very specifically and very intentionally here. What he's doing is he's drawing people's attention to Israel in the desert. Israel in the desert had an inheritance in the promised land. These former slaves were constituted as a nation, and they were given an inheritance in the land to come, in the promised land. But they didn't have it yet. They had the promise of it. Each family had a deed to land. So the Morla family would have a lot of land because there's a bunch of Morlas here. And you would each have a deed to that land. But right now you find yourself in a desert filled with scorpions and snakes, very hot, very thirsty. But it was an inheritance of the land to come. And Peter is using that imagery for you and for me because he's saying we have a promise of glory to come. The pathway has been cut through the jungle, but we don't have it fully yet. We have a promise of it. The Spirit of God is given to us. We have new life. We're on the path to glory. God put us on that path to glory, but we're still in a jungle with the promise of the inheritance. And it was that promise of the inheritance that kept Israel going all those years in the desert. This, this glory that God promises us. He calls it a hope in verse 3. He calls it an, an inheritance in verse 4. And look at verse 5. He calls it a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. All three of them, the hope in verse 3, the inheritance in verse 4, the salvation in verse 5, all speak of the same thing. They speak of glory. They speak of the glory that God promises us one day fully consumed at his second coming that he made possible for us at his first coming. He cut the pathway in the jungle. He gave us life. He put us on that pathway. He gave us an inheritance. This inheritance is amazing. Look at verse 4 again. It's imperishable. It will never be destroyed. It's undefiled. It's an inheritance that is pure. There's no compromise to receive this inheritance. And it's unfading. It will never become old and dry and wither. Friends, this is the glory that we long for. This is the glory that Christ restored for us. It's an already, not yet glory. It's a glory that we taste here while in the jungle on the pathway that God placed us on by his mercy, by his grace. Here's the second point on this pathway to glory. God keeps us on that pathway to glory by faith. Point two, God keeps us on the pathway to glory by faith. Look at verse five again. Who, by God's power, speaking now of us, are being guarded through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. So at the end of the pathway to glory is Christ's second coming, the glory of a new heavens and a new earth, resurrected bodies, ruling and reigning underneath God's rule forever and ever and ever. That glory is at the end of the pathway. And what keeps us on the pathway through a decidedly non-glorious existence in a jungle filled with bugs and creepy crawlies and poisonous snakes and all kinds of things is faith. But it's faith powered by God. 
Look at that again, verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, it's the glory of God from beginning to end. It's God causing us to be born again to the living hope. It's God giving us that hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept for us in the heavens for for a sure salvation in Christ. We are God's. He is ours. This is what salvation means in the text. And as we walk through the jungle of this life, longing for something better, let us keep our eyes open. On Jesus, who keeps us through his power, by faith, in his achievement, not ours, on this pathway to glory. It is by God's power, but it's through faith, faith that we exercise, that we stay on the pathway to glory. And because it is by faith that we stay on the pathway to glory, God intentionally perfects our faith through trials. Point three. God perfects our faith through trials. I want you to look at verse six. <coughs> I want you to look at verse six. The, first, the second word in verse six, in this you rejoice. This refers back to the hope that God gives us through the resurrection, through the inheritance that God promises us in Christ, to the salvation that will be revealed at the final time. This refers back to the glory. In this we rejoice. Church, rejoice in the glory that is promised you, that is given to you by God's mercy. Because that pathway to glory is one that God made for us. God placed us on. God will keep us on by faith. And for that reason, God perfects our faith through trials. Though now, back to verse 6, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. You've been grieved by various trials. Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're on the pathway to glory because God placed us there. He keeps us on the pathway to glory through, through his power, through the faith that he gives us, and he perfects our faith through the trials, and that faith and that glory will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as we see at the end of verse 7. Now, here's the question. What does Peter mean when he says that our faith is going to be tested? The genuineness of our faith will be tested by the trials. Well, we have to look at the metaphor that Peter uses. The metaphor is going to help us understand what it means that the genuineness of our faith is tested through trials. If it is faith that keeps us on this pathway to glory that God puts us on, and then he perfects our faith through these trials, what does it mean that the genuineness of our faith is tested through the trials? Well, as you can see here on the screen, gold is purified by intense heat. The heat that purifies this gold is probably over 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. And the gold that is being tested here, the genuineness of the gold that is being tested, is very expensive. An ounce of gold today is worth $1,186.20. What's an ounce of gold? 
go to McDonald's, grab a little box of fries and take out about five of them. That's an ounce. That's an ounce of gold worth over $1,000. It's very precious. And these fires that are used to burn off the impurities, to make that gold, to burn off all the impurities so that this precious gold will come forth, it doesn't destroy the gold. It purifies the gold. The gold is purified by the fire. The fire doesn't test to see whether it's gold. The fires are put on the gold because it is gold, because it is precious. And our faith, according to Peter, is more precious than gold. Look at verse 7 again. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith is more precious than gold because gold will one day perish. But our faith is eternal. Our faith will be revealed at the coming of Jesus Christ. It will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whatever praise and glory and honor you've experienced on this world, whatever you can imagine experiencing, is nothing in comparison of the praise and glory and honor at the coming of Christ. And what brings that to us is faith. The faith that God gave us. The faith that God guards. The faith that God guards by his power. But the faith that we exercise. And so that's why God is so diligent to test the genuineness of that faith through trials. And because the metaphor is that of gold, we can then say this to you. That the trials don't test whether we have faith. They test the very precious faith we do have. Just as the fires don't test whether that is gold, they only put gold in those fires. They put it in because it is gold. We are underneath trials, not to see if we have faith, but because we have faith, by the mercy of God, because he's given us life when we were dead in the jungle, and he's found us, and he put us on the pathway to glory. And by his power, through faith, he keeps us on the pathway to glory. And that faith will one day have a payoff greater than any investment you could ever have. Praise and glory and honor at the coming of Jesus Christ forever and ever. Because that is true. The trials come to purify, perfect our faith. Trials do not destroy your faith, just as fire does not destroy gold. They purify them. They perfect it. That's what Peter means when he says to test the genuineness of your faith. Listen, trials are hard. Suffering is hard. We have the promise of the inheritance. We have the pathway to glory, just as Israel had the promise of the, the, the land that they would inherit, but they were still in a desert. It was hot with scorpions and snakes, but they had the promise. The promise had a payoff. And we much more, because Israel was simply to be a natural example, a metaphor for the new heavens and the new earth that Christians have in Christ. What's the point? The point is, these trials, though they bring suffering, and we all have them, are designed to perfect the very thing that we cannot lose because God keeps it. God keeps us. That's what this text says. And God keeps us by faith through his mighty power, and he's committed to perfecting that faith so that on that day, the reward we get will be amazing. It's kind of like, If you would have invested, let's say, you know, 
Apple computers. Back in the day, when Kevin was just a little lad and Stephen Jobs was developing this wild technology on the West Coast. And you invested $1,000 in Apple. And then, you know, you started having doubts. And, and you were going to pull your investment. And it'd be like someone coming up and saying, don't do it. I promise you, there'll be a payoff. In 2016, they will just put out new iPhones every year. You don't need them, but they'll just put them out. And every time they put them out, it'll be another three or four trillion billion dollars that they make all over the world. And trust me, pal, the payoff will be amazing. Multiply that by a million. Your faith in Christ will have a payoff you can't even imagine. No matter what you're suffering today, don't pull the investment on Apple because you want to get a new shiny car. Keep it in there. There's something better coming. That's the point. Peter's writing Christians who are suffering in modern-day Turkey who are, who are tempted to pull the investment. They're wavering. They're in the jungle. They've been in the jungle. They're slapping the mosquitoes. they got bites all over them. They're hearing weird things in the brush. Yeah, they're on a pathway. They're no longer hacking their way through the jungle, but they're getting tired. And he's saying, God's going to keep you on this path. God puts you on this path. He'll keep you on this path. And there's this payoff that's amazing. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18 the Apostle Paul, writing something similar, says it this way. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. He says this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory worth more than an ounce of gold or a ton of gold or a hundred tons of gold. Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, to the jungle around us, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In the midst of our trials and our suffering, remember that when Jesus returns, we will see him, and we will be like him. That song we sang, when it says we will go up into the air, you know what that means? We're not staying up there. You understand that, right? No, no. We may go up and beat him, we're coming right back down. Because in the twinkling of an eye, God's going to totally remodel everything. Boom! Bigger than any remodeling you can imagine. Bigger than any TV show that remodels these old homes and... New heavens, new earth, and we will be vice regents. That means we reign and rule this new heaven and new earth underneath God. And it's just going to be, wow! You know, that, that uh, program where they said, move that bus? Psh, move the bus. Move that universe! Psh. And we're ruling there. Don't sell your Apple stock. For... For a little shack here. What is coming is amazing. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. That's exactly what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. The things unseen are the important thing. I'm on the pathway by faith. Faith helps me to see what I don't see. I see the inheritance in the promised land when I'm walking around this same rock in the desert. I see paradise when the bugs are biting me in the jungle. 
by faith that God gives me and by his power keeps me in and then perfects through trials. That part I wish, you know, thank you for the faith. But the trials are every bit as necessary. Though you do not see him now, verse 8b, you believe in him. Here's the deal. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory. That's why we worship, if you're a guest here this morning. That's why we clap. That's why we sing. That's why we're going to worship at the end of this sermon. Because we worship not based upon what we see around us. We worship based upon the inheritance that is sure, undefiled, will never, ever cease. We worship because of the hope we've been given. We worship because of the salvation that will result in praise and glory and honor at the coming of Christ. And filled with glory... Filled with glory. Verse 9. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This joy that he's talking about in verse 8 is filled with glory in that it participates in and anticipates the glory of Christ that is to come on that final day. It is in our focus on Christ, not circumstances, that we find our glory. The focus of our joy is Christ. He's the hope. He's the inheritance. He's the salvation that we cannot see with our physical eyes, but we see with the eyes of faith. Where is your focus this morning? God, through Peter, commended these suffering Christians for their love of Christ, though they had not seen him. There is a lasting joy beyond the temporary grief we experience. And that lasting joy is in Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith and who led the way, looking to the joy and despising the shame of suffering on the cross. God places us on the pathway. God keeps us on that pathway by his power through faith. And God perfects that faith through trials. Faith that brings glory Today, a glory that we experience in part today that we will experience fully on that day. That is very precious indeed, dear friends. Here's the appeal. Here's the appeal for all of us. Look to Jesus, our pioneer, our author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 on the screen. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So imagine you're running through the jungle now. Not just walking, you're running. Running, <laughs> running, running, running. All right, here's how we do it. Verse two, looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, he's there ahead of us. Looking to Jesus, he's the pioneer. He's the trailblazer. He made the way. He has promised us the glory that he has with the Father. The glory that he left when he became a baby and lived the perfect life and died a horrible death and rose from the dead. And the glory that is his now as he ascended into heaven. He's saying, follow me. Keep your eyes on me. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated on the right hand of God Before glory comes suffering for Jesus, our Savior. Before glory comes suffering for us, his followers. But glory is coming. In the midst of our outward trials, we already experience by faith and rejoice 
at the coming glory. This joy is inexpressible because it is not based on what we see in the outward circumstances that are sometimes hard to explain. I get that. It is rooted in a realm beyond physical existence, what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This joy is filled with glory. It participates in what Christ has done now as it anticipates the reward of what Christ has accomplished on that day. Not what we've accomplished, what he's accomplished. You know, it's really ironic. God uses Peter to tell people who had never seen Jesus to believe in Jesus. Peter who actually saw Jesus. But here's the deal. Peter didn't believe in Jesus because he saw him physically. Peter believed in Jesus because he saw him spiritually. God revealed to Peter who Jesus was. Messiah and Savior. We obtain the outcome of our faith, which is our salvation, which is this glory. And we have hope in this inheritance. It is God who puts us on the pathway to glory. It is God who keeps us on that pathway to glory by his power through faith. And it is God who perfects our faith through the sufferings and trials that we go through. I pray that we would see the glory on the other side. I pray that we would see Jesus in stark relief displayed for us this Advent season. And as we see that glory, it would give us much joy, even in the midst of trials. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you placed us on the pathway to glory. I thank you that you keep us on this pathway to glory by your power through the faith that you have given us. And I thank you, Lord, yes, I thank you for the trials that you bring to perfect that faith. Because, Lord, may each person in this room right now see the great value of the payday on that day when you return, the glory and the praise and the honor, which is yours, but you choose to share with us because of your mercy by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. Lord, give us that joy. Lord, give us that grace as we sing of that day. There is a day that all creation is waiting for. Father, may that day reside in our hearts, the promise of that inheritance, as we walk through the jungles of this life, sin around us, glory before us. Lord, I thank you that you delivered us from the power of sin, I thank you that you delivered us from the penalty of sin. And I understand that you have yet to deliver us from the presence of sin, but you will one day. Encourage those who are exhausted today by sin, whether theirs or others. Lord, cause our eyes to be fixed on you as we sing of that day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, There is a Day.